Coming up on this episode of Open for Business, the rebirth of a childhood favorite. Sir Richard Branson says we need more audacity. What's in the water in the NFC East and four more years in a landmine-filled economy. All that and more coming up on episode number 55 of Open for Business. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. OnTheHorn.com. Bandwidth for On the Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. Retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive. All from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. Hot potato news item, the return of an American legend. The Radio Flyer has come back in with that story. Tommy Russo. Hey, it's one of my uh, paisanos going back to the earliest part of the 20th century. A gentleman named Alfonso. What a great name. Uh, and again, Italian-American at the time, 16 years old, out of necessity, built himself a wagon to move his tools around because he was building cabinets. Now, mind you, again, a 16-year-old. My 16-year-old right now spends most of her time with her iPhone, you know, texting and listening to music and watching videos and all that. This guy builds a wagon. His friends, family, and the people that he's working for see the wagon, love it, ask him to build one for them, and it becomes a multi-million dollar corporation that to this day is still alive and well. I love it. That is such an iconic memory for me from my childhood. I think everybody on the block had a radio flyer at some point in time. Glad me, they're well. Me too. Now, where does the name radio flyer come from? Brian, do you know? I don't know. Well, because of the origins of the business, radio in the 40s, 30s, and 40s just getting off the air and flying just coming into place, he recognizing that, right, those were two buzz phrases in that time, he put them together, radio flyer. Now, is that good marketing mind, too? That is probably the best marketing idea I've ever heard. I think it's audacious myself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Speaking of audacious. The king uh, of segues. Sir Richard Branson has, uh, has uh, I guess, leveled a challenge on us. He has. To be more. Do you want to play? It's three minutes. Do you want to play this little thing from Richard Branson of him talking? I think we could summarize it. Okay. Well, let's summarize it. Basically, Richard Branson says, you need more audacity. And he says, it's probably easier to have had audacity way back when he was younger, not just because he was younger and he had, you know, nothing to lose, but because there wasn't so much attention being paid on failure, which we seem to have a lot of failure. But now he says, too, it's also easier for him at, you know, whatever age he is at now to be more audacious because he's got, you know, if he fails, he's got a big buffer. Yeah, between him and disaster. Well, I I actually took a different take on what he said. My take was that audacity was a prerequisite for success. You don't have to be more audacious. You just need audacity to begin with in order to make it work. I I think he needs more people need to be audacious. audacious. Not necessarily you need to be more risky or whatever. I'm going to serve one up for you here, Brian. Okay. And that is, I think that you and your partner, David, we're rather audacious in starting this business. 100% agree. A- absolutely. I mean, Now, you know, what's the difference between audacious and foolish? 
Not much. <laughs> okay. At this stage, not much. Because <laughs> I think we may have been a little foolish. <laughs> well, I give you guys an enormous amount of credit, man. You're breaking ground. You made a huge investment. Maybe that's where the foolishness line is crossed. <laughs> that may have been it. <laughs> yeah. That may have been but it. But still, I mean, cool Jones, you know, in a big way to be able to do what you guys did. So, I mean, you know, my hat's off to you. But again, as, as Branson said, you see a niche in the market, you fill the need. Here's a great quote from him. Set impossible challenges, then catch up with them. Good and, for that. And how many people are doing that in this day and age? There's a question for you. Yeah. and But you know what, though? Yeah, I think it really, really, really comes down to having some kind of a, a lot of the plan for, like, take the horn here. A lot of the plan here, we didn't really know because it is kind of new anyway. And you don't really know where you're supposed to go. And there's really no roadmap for it. So we kind of fake it till we make it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That goes um, back to that aud uh, being audacious. I mean, it does. Yeah. I think so. But, yeah. uh, but you know, we're not filling a niche. We're, we not, we're not seeing a void and filling a niche. We're kind of saying, I, I want to do this. Well, it gives How does it us work? something to do on a Tuesday evening. Well, I, I think our <laughs> path is learn and gain. We just yeah. keep learning. We keep gaining on it. We learn some more. We gain on it some more. Yeah. I mean, just think of how sophisticated we have gotten since uh, in this iteration of our business show uh, on the horn here. Just in the last six months. Yeah, in the last six months. Good you know, point. From basically no listeners to hundreds of listeners. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. I'm very pleased about that. So we're still going for a tenfold increase in the next six months. So we so want to out there. Pay attention. So, that's right. Please. Yeah. So we want, like, what, 70,000? No, I'll take 7,000. 7,000 yeah. per, per episode? Per episode. Wow, that would be something. That and then we be. pass the ball to Ken? <laughs> 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 and then we pass the ball to Ken. Who's oh. going to tell us, um, who's going who's gonna to inspire us to drink the Kool-Aid? Yes. This one is a hot potato item only because it's special to me. It's Whose phone is that? Oh, it's Tommy's phone. I'm sorry, phone. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> like, where the hell's my phone? Is that me? <laughs> this hot potato item is special to me, and that's the only reason it's on the air tonight. I am trying to figure out, when you have the Super Bowl champion Giants, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, the next great dynasty in the Philadelphia Eagles, and the next franchise player in RG3, why in God's name are three out of the four teams playing below 500 halfway through the season and the Giants losing the last two should have lost the last three and they're barely above 500 going into their bye week? I mean, there is something definitely wrong in what usually is the powerhouse division in the NFL. But I will say this, putting a business spin on it, you know, the NFL has this parody thing where they say, uh, you know, the, the, the worst teams get, get, get the next year's best players coming out. And we have, much like even in, in baseball, we have salary caps. They're trying to level the playing field. And they have Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins. Well, maybe not so much the Redskins, but those <laughs> Giants, the Cowboys. three, for sure. Yeah. The great perennial teams. And you know what? Don't count the Giants out yet. No. Absolutely. Well, you made the point earlier, Brian. Unless the Giants are the wild card at 9-7 and seven going into the playoffs, they don't win Super Bowls. Yeah. No, I agree. they got to be the underdog. But, I mean, it's like the Atlanta Falcons coming into the mid-break, losing their first game of the season. Who would have picked the Falcons at the start of the year? Nobody. Who would have picked the Bengals to beat the Giants? That's what I want to know. 
I would not have. <laughs> not, not by the score, especially. Jeez. We were out. I was I was babysitting Maddie, and we were out, you know, out and about, and we didn't get home until it was like late in the third quarter. And I popped it on, and my my the first channel we we went to was the uh, was the uh, Patriots game. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's just see what's going on here, and then I'll, and below it, I saw the little crawl of like Giants six, Bengals thirty or something yeah, like that. I don't, know, I don't know what it was. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the Bengals. But oh, the, my goodness. The pain for me is I'm a big Eagles fan. Second, it, as long as the Eagles aren't playing the Giants, I root for the Giants as well. And the Eagles are just killing me this year. They are just just killing me. They got four out of five offensive linemen out. Michael Vick is a disaster. He's an absolute disaster. I think Michael Vick, he, they didn't give him a good line those first few years. And I think he just he got sort of hurt so yeah. bad that he can't too many bounce times. back. Too many broken ribs, too many concussions. Which is, which is also, from a business standpoint, think about the investment. Surrounded Big by time. dog players, yeah. is that what you're saying? Well, the, the investment in a Michael Vick and then literally getting the bleep beat out of them every yeah. week week in and week out it is a uh, very interesting hi everyone i'm brian parker i'm joined by zen master tommy russo over here of lnr productions lnrproductions.com thank you brian. is his website great advertising uh uh company audio video production great stuff also ken cook is here hello hello ken who is a uh eagles and a giants and a redskins and a cowboys fan <laughs> no 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 All not on the at bottom the very too. same time and not he studied with <clears throat> ross perot <laughs> but uh claims author your, your your latest book is out what's the name of your latest book again um it is still in editing it will oh, not still, be out oh, until the out. end of the year okay okay great at the end of the and year though at the end of the year so that's a goal so we can hold you to that. Yes, you can, actually. Uh, I'm talking to the publisher at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Contributor to Inc. Magazine. Right. Peer-to-peeradvisors.com. You can go check him out. Um, it's good to have you all here. We're the podcast that explores all things business, uh, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, uh, making a few dollars for yourself for crying out loud. Hey, look, if you guys have any uh, ideas, open for business at onthehorn.com. That's the email address for the show. Uh, send them over here. If you have a great business story, or a or a or a topic you want us to uh, discuss and dive into, feel free. Yeah, that would be great. We'd, We'd love, love to hear it. from you. Uh, we also want to mention that we did get approved on Stitcher. So if you uh, would like to, thank you very much for for downloading the show. First of all, that's terrific. I don't know if you're on our on our website listening, or maybe you're listening uh, via iTunes. But Stitcher is a great app that you can put on any of your Android or uh, or iTunes uh, or uh, iOS devices, um, and we, we're we're featured there now. So that's great. Great success here. Good for us. And we do uh, we do appreciate you. We, we can't, literally can't do it. Otherwise, we're just kind of three guys talking th in a room. The three faces of radio. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so we had the election, uh, and now that's over. And, um, well, I think the business community was a little shocked. You think? Which I don't, I don't actually understand because, uh, you know, three months ago I knew Obama was getting elected, and I knew it wasn't going to be close. And I've said that on the air here. But anyway, shock, dismay. I can't believe it. Um, where do we go from here in the business climate? How do we avoid the the caltrops that people are saying are going to come out of uh, uh, out of Washington? Ken, take us through some of your ideas. Well, my perspective is it's absolutely has to be different going forward than it was in the last four years. And a couple of factors play into my thinking here. One, 
it was an overwhelming victory. I mean, it, it, it by definition, it was not a landslide, but it definitely was not a squeaker either, particularly in the Electoral College. There's the impending fiscal cliff coming up with sequestration by the end of the year. Something has to be done with regard to that. Now, let's talk about that. What do you think? In terms of what? The fiscal cliff. Uh, I th- I think we should not go over it. Really? Yeah. Why not? I'm because I'm I'm almost partial to you know what, let's do it. Y- you're willing to take the dive, huh? Yeah. Well, you know what? Shut shut it down. Shut down the the government. I I, I think we should not do it because it's arbitrary. I think frankly, when you just take a ten percent axe to everything, you cut muscle where your muscle is absolutely needed, and there's still a ton of fat even if you only take 10% off. I think you need to do it intelligently, and a 10% across-the-board cut is not intelligent. I think it's wrong. Brian, I'm curious as to why you think that it might be a lesson-slash-experience that the country needs to go through. That's what I'm hearing from See a need and fill it. Earlier in the show, Ken Cook said that. Yes, sir. We shut down the government. There are potholes. Bet you someone's going to... Want to make a few dollars filling those potholes. But the government's not an entrepreneurial venture. Exactly. Yeah. Let's make a let's make an individual company rich filling potholes. That's I don't know. That's sort of my feeling. And how do they get the gig? Who hires them to, to fill those potholes? And who's paying the piper at the at the end of it? Well, instead of this constant like handout, handout, handout until we get to Washington where all those, you know, pork barrel dollars come in. It'll be up to the towns to say, hey, look, we need to fill these. We need to fix the roads. And, we're, and we can't go to the state government. We can't go to the federal government to get all these you know, pennies from heaven. You know what? We're going to have to buck it up. We're going to have to pay for this. Well, I think that's an overriding philosophy across the board. People recognize that it's no longer printing press in the basement, print the money when we need it. But I also think that people realize that Uh, despite the rhetoric of the campaign, there is a role for government, whether it's federal, state, or local. I think and wish that there would be more of a balance of power between state and federal. I wish the states had more power than the federal government does. I find that the amount of money that the federal government spends on certain things is crazy. Well, I, I agree. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I'm all for state rights, but, you know, you kind of need the federal government to be the... Because if you don't have the federal government, then we're just... we really, Where the United States of America is a bunch of different states. Different 50 states. But you need yeah. it for defense. You need it for national infrastructure. You need it for security. You need it for communications. I think you, you need, need yeah. it for banking regulation and energy you regulation. For, you don't need it for banking regulation. Yes, you do. No, you don't. Why not? Because you have you have each individual state currently doing banking regulation. You have each individual state currently doing banking regulation. There isn't a federal le- regulatory body? Sure, there is. But you know what they do? They, they say what the federal funds rate is, which is the rate that banks can loan to one another at million-dollar increments for overnight loans only. All right, if you have a local bank in the state of Connecticut that They is... report to the Connecticut State of uh, Department of Banking. And even if you're an investment guy, you know we have we have you know FINRA and the SEC mm-hmm. and all that. $100 million of assets under management or less? No. 
federal government doesn't care about you anymore. It's all through the Connecticut Department of Banking. I talked to a VP of a Connecticut Bank last week, and he's telling me that they are having to rejigger how they organize the loans in their portfolio to comply with the auditors from the federal government. Exactly. And they don't need to because there's auditors in the state. What I'm saying is it's a layer we don't need. So if those federal guys go away, it's not going to make a difference. We're still going to get all the regulation that we have. But then Just the federal government is being – what the federal government is doing is trying to set up a standard that works for all 50 states and all of these. I mean, it's a big country in the continent of the United is. States and in Alaska and Hawaii. You know what? There has to be different rules. Mm, I'm confused. Not all, not all economic rules work for everywhere on the planet. But I think banking regulatory rules need to be consistent across the states. Why is that? Because if I am dealing with a lender mm -hmm. in Connecticut and I have multiple locations around the country, I don't want to have to set up different loan arrangements, different banking arrangements and everything depending on where my locations are. You're going to have to do that anyway. Why? You have to... You're going to be under the Department of Banking for whatever state you're in, as well as the federal government. Here's my point. When they try to make these blanket rules for all economies across the continental United States, well, right. just, you know, forget about Alaska and Hawaii for a second. What happens is you come <laughs> up with these static numbers, like $1,000. You know, if you have $1,000 in a bank, you must be offered if it demutualizes different kinds of uh, shares. Okay. Okay. Well, $1,000 in New York City is way different than $1,000 in Helena, Montana. Agree with That's that. That's a way different number. Way different number than uh, than Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or Albany, New York. But you have these static numbers, and so what happens is um, either economies speed up in certain areas or slow down because of these economic rules. Well, then I would love to see... The federal banking regulations adjusted on a geographic by geographic basis, depending on the dynamics and characteristics and demographics of that local economy. However, I do not want to see states competing against each other in order to get banks to locate in their state because they have the most lax regulations. What you're going to end up yeah, with... But you had that anyway. You had that anyway with, with, with state tax codes. Well, I mean, the only, only reason the ESPN is still here in Connecticut is because they got, you know, millions of dollars of, of tax credits. You know, it's, I mean, it's states compete against each other. It's a good point. Not only that, you're not only competing against each other, and lucky for us because we're in, you know, America, but we, we compete against countries and counties in other nations. Absolutely. You know, we go over to Poland and say, yeah, bring some of those manufacturing jobs back here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean that's what a lieutenant governor is supposed to basically be doing. Yeah, he's I mean, flying around the uh, around the world now. And banks are international. I mean, you take Citizens is owned by Royal Bank of Scotland. TD is a, can, a Canadian based bank. Yeah, TD Toronto Dominion used to be Bank North. Yeah. Well, it used to be American Savings, then it was Bank North, then it was TD Bank. So let me roll us back. Yeah, yeah, and and let's ask you, Ken. 
your preference obviously is that we don't go over the fiscal cliff. We've Correct. explored at least a little bit of why we might consider doing that. What are your hopes for a resolve and not going over the fiscal cliff? What are you hoping to see the three branches of government do, if you will? Talk to each other for one. Yeah. And and my my wish in the conversation tonight is not so much to explore these macro issues. Because I mean, we could debate from here until 9 o'clock tonight on whether uh, the Democrats in the Senate will get along with the Republicans in the House who are going to fight with the president regardless of what he wants to do. That's just the nature of politics at the national level. But there are certain things that are a given that are going to impact business owners. I've heard time and time again how business owners are saying, I've got to lay off people because of Obamacare. Well, Obamacare isn't even implemented yet, and it's not going to be implemented until 2014. So there is zero impact on any business owner yeah. today. So why do you need to lay somebody off today for something that isn't going to happen? Well, I, yeah, I mean, but what I don't understand is the whole taxing corporations. That's I agree with you. That's craziness. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You, <clears throat> if you really want a vibrant economy, you tax the people. Not the company. Yeah. The company, you know, the company is not, as much as the tax code says the company is a individual, it isn't. There is no company walking down the street. I agree. Only people walk down the street. And the more you let that company save, the stronger it's going to be and the more people it's going to yeah. want to employ and the more risks it's going to be able to take to grow and, and be better and pay their employees better. The, the minute you start doing that, you know what happens? The guy at the top, you know, you take a typical business of, that's doing $10 million. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if all of a sudden he's going to, you know, let's say he brings in a million bucks. If he's going to lose $200,000 because of taxes, you know what he's going to do? He's going to lay off four employees. Yeah. Screw that. No, I'm, I'm making I'm my make, 200 yeah, up on I'm, somewhere else. Yeah, I'm, I'm making that. You know, I'll just do it with less people. It was my audacity that got it started in the first place. I paid me first. And I don't blame business owners for that perspective. But, I mean, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. And for reasons well beyond the tax code, Ireland's economy is in the dumper right now. But in its heyday, and I'm not going back probably more than 10 years, they were a tech haven globally. I mean, they had tech companies from all around the planet locating in Ireland. And the reason they were doing it was because they took the corporate tax rate and they slashed it. They yeah. slashed it and slashed. Yeah. It was down in like the single mid single digit percentages. And companies migrate to where their capital works for the business, not for somebody else. Yeah. And that's what taxes do. And corporate taxes are craziness because it's like taxing it's like a uh, the d estate tax. It's taxing money that's probably been taxed two and three times already. Yeah, and why is there not a birth tax? That's what I want to know. If there is a death tax, you must have a birth tax then. That is a concept I've never heard. Explain that one. Okay. They're taxing you for something that's happened naturally and has happened for everyone except okay. maybe Jesus Christ. Yep. <laughs> and I say maybe because, hey, I wasn't there. Hmm. And if you believe it, great. But... Like, people die. Yeah. Why are you going to tax them for dying? Like, that's like, oh, did you eat a meal today? Not only are you going to be taxed on 
the food that you purchase, but you, just you consuming the food. Yeah. There's going to be a tax. It's nuts. It's I like, agree. What? <laughs> yeah, there are certain, there are, Tommy, to your question, if I had one wish, it's to slash the tax code and start new. I mean, get rid of every volume and just start new and tell people, look, you have 120 days to come up with a new tax code. Period. Yeah. That's audacious. So how do we get it? Let's move into it. How do we get that to happen? One, there's state, and two, there's federal. State, uh, what is that? I don't even know what this Connecticut state is. What is the Connecticut state? I don't know. In, I, don't, I think it's, how it's, we do uh, that you know, is... $50,000 is 15%. Is that still right? I don't know. I mean, I, I almost always take all of the money out anyway of my business. I don't keep it in there so it will be double taxed. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, what you're you're what an LLC? What are you? You're an LLC? No, we're an S corp. Yeah, we're yeah we're, we're an S as well. So yours rolls right to your return. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So there's no reason for me to keep money in the business. None. And you know, and the only and I haven't done this, but a clever way of doing it was my accountant said, "Here's what you do: you you take the money, and you have to pay the taxes on it." And then you just loan it back to the company. Exactly. And I'm like, eh, if I have it, I already have it now. <laughs> so I'm not yet. sure I want to give it back to them. They're spendthrifts. But I, but I tell you, I mean, I could be much more successful. I could I could be hiring more employees if every year I didn't have to make the decision to either lose 40% of my money or 65% of my money. Right. Like, that's the decision I have to make, you know, every March. Yeah. But that's, to retool the tax code that you're talking about, Ken, I think I think the only way we'll get <clears throat> our politicians to agree to that is to get them to go over the fiscal cliff, to put to stress the system out to the point where they realize they really do need to make wholesale changes. And all they're going to do in the, I mean, the, there are not enough IRS agents to go around. Period. Uh, all they're going to do is more people are going to. Um, expand the loopholes or try to push more money yeah. through those loopholes? I heard the, from an IRS agent probably 25 years ago that if you get audited, you just have one decision to make. That's to figure out how big a check you want to write. <laughs> because the IRS, when they audit, the agents are evaluated on the amount of money they recover. Period. It's not on right or wrong. It's on the amount of money because you hit it, Brian. There aren't enough agents out there, and it's like 1% of all returns get audited. 1%. Yeah. So if you're only going to audit 1% of the returns, you have to get a return on that effort. That's it. Well, and I, um, I cringe when you say go over the cliff. <laughs> I just, well, it's not my preference you, either, but I have a f what will take a legislative body that has clearly demonstrated, and based on what just happened in our election, nothing essentially has changed, really hasn't. What's going to motivate them to finally make the move? To make well, I think the, the Tea Party kind of got ousted. I don't think there's anybody yeah, in the Tea Party anymore. They don't have the weight they had two years ago. I... Um, I'm Pollyannish or not, but I just, I, I still believe that if they think forward thinking and work with each other collaboratively, they can make this happen. Everybody says you need to change the tax code. 
and it's going to take Mr. Branson's audacity to do it. People yeah. are just going to have to sit down and say, okay, I need a champion. Let's do it. Um, we, uh, I guess, I having a good a discussion here. Um, going to just take a quick pause <laughs> and talk to you about uh, our good friends over at Central CT Dental. Uh, great sponsors. Um, they always pay all of their taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, what if these guys say, you know, forget it. Just you know, why don't you give me a 20 bucks in cash and we won't say anything to anybody. I mean, I guess they got stuff to pay for, but I don't know. Uh, doctor's camp, Sambor Lupini for serious issues or routine checkups. Go nowhere else. Easy to get to Plainville Farmington line. Give them a call. 860-747-5761 centralctdental.com. You can make an appointment online. How great is that? That's very convenient. I love that. I love when people yeah. that seeing a need and filling the niche. You know what? Back to the election, make an appointment online. I'm listening to the story last night. Over six hundred thousand provisional ballots in Arizona still to be counted. And I'm listening to this thinking How? Why what is going on? I mean, with the why not just have people vote online? There yeah. are states that do that extremely well right now. Yeah, I think there's a well. The voting online might be. I don't. I don't know a lot of the technology behind that. So I think there's some fear there. But I mean, Connecticut gets these things like zip, zip, zip. It's out. Yeah. It's. It is not as fun. I will admit, going there and not pulling like the little levers and the curtain and all that kind of stuff. That's fun. That's dramatic. Yeah. But it it is very easy. I don't know how you guys vote in in our town. It's just fill out the bubble sheet, right? That's it. Yeah. You zip it through the scanner. It can go upside down. Dun, it can go dun. Whatever, whatever way you want. It knows how to orient itself. And it's instant. Yeah. If you really wanted to, let's get rid of this uh, Secretary of State being the elections officer, you know, of Connecticut. Let's get one uniform thing. Across the country. Across the country. Agreed. That's a good and idea. that's it. And you know the other thing I'm thinking about more in support of how things may change? We have a president that is never going to run for another office again. He has no more elections in front of him. And he, probably more so than any president since Kennedy, is audacious. He is wanting things to change. Kennedy wanted to change things. And I can't think, you go back before him, I mean, Franklin Roosevelt was by necessity. So, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> yeah, you can say Abraham Lincoln was was the antithesis of that. He he did not want things to change. Yeah. He, he fought a civil war to keep things the same, yeah. to keep us all together. So. But uh, interesting, interesting, for sure. Final thoughts on this? Tommy, where do you think we're going to be in the next four years? Oh, boy. Better yes, off the, or worse off? Better off. It's my choice stay focused and think that we're going to be better off that the economy is going to spring back little by little maybe spring's not the right word but it's going to work itself back yeah. and that in four years we'll be smiling a happy smile and then we'll be saluting uh, president hillary clinton i don't know about the last statement but i'll go yes on the improvement okay. over the next four years and this year alone 12 million new jobs let's choose optimism i'll go we're going to be better off uh hillary clinton you know, I've seen her. She, you can't take anything away. She's worked hard. Oh yes. She is flying around, 
And I just I want her to take a nap. <laughs> she <laughs> needs a nap. Really that job age. Just her. just, you know, do some Pilates, drink some green tea. <laughs> Hillary. Just chill. Just chill for a little bit. Hey, thank you all for joining us. Uh, remember, you can catch us on Stitcher as well. And, of course, on iTunes or at OnTheHorn.com. Can't do the show without our sponsors, Gateway Financial Partners, the accounting firm of Budwoods and Meyerjack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and, of course, CentralCTDental.com. Very special thanks to our chat room moderator, Evan Richards. We're closing up shop for this week, but we'll be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern when we will once again be open for business. Cheers. <laughs>